0: All right, and welcome into the show. Uh, Today we're introducing a new segment we start off every show with. It's called Icebreakers. So just a little quick explanation on what it is for those people who have been listening for a long time. If you're a new listener, this is the first time we're doing it. An icebreaker is technically just like a fun little conversation we're going to start off every show with. It could be whatever the hell is on our mind. I travel a lot. It could be about my travel. Sammy could be a fun story about doing the dishes, for God's sake, if he really wants. Think of it almost like Seinfeld, right? A show about nothing, but the icebreaker is just really anything about nothing. So it's just kind of a fun way to start off the show.
1: Or it's about something
0: or about something whatever like if you don't if you have something important to say you can start off your icebreaker so sammy uh i'm gonna let you do the honors um you go first with the first ever icebreaker on pod that i got two icebreakers today
1: um so we're gonna go i'm gonna give you my first one we'll get to yours and i'll do mine but my first one as everyone knows it's getting sunny in seattle uh, george and i are both located in seattle right now and it's the sun's coming out we're enjoying the nice new weather and of course This is why White Claw is coming out with its new brand or sub-brand called Surge. It's called White White Claw Surge. Stepping up the game for the summer, going from 5% to 8% APV and adding a bigger-sized can. So if 5% wasn't enough to get you messed up on White Claws or you needed a couple too many, White Claw heard your complaints and they boosted it up to 8% alcohol in a bigger can called White Claw Surge. There's cranberry, there's blood orange, and I'm actually kind of excited. uh, I'm kind of excited to try them. And I do have
0: one comparison that people are comparing them to, George. Can you guess what they're comparing? Yes, I can actually, because I saw it trending on Twitter and I I didn't even like click on it. But now that I've kind of, you know, did the math to get, did the math, two plus two equals four. Four Locos is now trending on Twitter. Four Locos is trending. And... You know what some people are saying, and I
1: agree. My favorite tweet of the day is uh, from David Mastry and said, People comparing a higher APV White Claw to the original formula Four Loco need to sit down. You have no idea what dimensions original for Loco sent us to. The lives that have changed forever, which is true. I don't, an 8% seltzer cannot be on the same level as for Loco, George. Um, I wanted to bring up this icebreaker because for loco, first and foremost, nothing will ever be that dangerous for you in terms of st- cans. Um, and number two is I kind of like White Claw coming out something new for the summer. They're doing it at the right time.
0: Yeah. Well, here's my thing. I don't think it's, I mean, honestly, I don't think it's at the right time. I think the, when the warmer weather people out, you te- alcohol tends to hit you a little bit harder and quicker. So in the warm weather, it's gonna just fuck up people a little bit quicker. I have no problem with this, but I'm just worried for those people who can't handle their alcohol, which a lot of people drink white claws. You know, um, might be not like the most seasoned veterans in day drinking, uh, warm weather drinking, and I. But we are Sammy, so like I'm not worried about my safety. I know that instead of knocking down five white claws at in you know three four hours, I might have to only knock down three at. What? Awful
1: take. One of the worst takes you ever had. People, People, no, George, guess you know who's
0: smarter than you at marketing?
1: Like law. There's a reason they're doing it at this time. It is oh, no, 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 to no Totally.
0: Business-wise, it's a fantastic move. I'm just worried about how people That's handle I their alcohol. I said
1: that they released it at the best time. And guess what, George? We yes. drink seltzers in the summer. And guess what, George? Not everybody's a lightweight. So I think it's actually a great idea. And... You know, most people drink a lot of White Claws, right? You can have four or five of these. I'm sure most people are fine.
0: Most people drink a lot more than more than you do. But you do have to agree, right? Like that the warm weather and hot weather, outside sweating, dehydrated, gets you drunker faster, right? Sure. Yeah, but, that's what I'm saying. 8%. People might not be ready for this. I, I'm just saying some people might not be ready for this. But I have no problem with it. You're going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to get a White Claw surge. When do they release? Are they out already? I'm not sure. Okay. That's all I got for you. What do you got, George? All right. First, my first icebreaker today is I kind of want to. We're going with that theme, right? It's nice weather out here in Seattle, and uh, we played tennis today, me and Sammy here. And uh, you know, not not to uh, you know, I guess make Sammy feel too great here, but uh, or to his horn, I'll let him to his own horn. He uh, he kicked my fucking ass. 5-1, 5-1, no, 5-2 and 5-3 were the sets. We played best two out of three sets. And uh, me and Sammy have been playing a little bit of tennis. We're moving to Arizona. And I just wanted to ask, like, what do you think, Sammy? What, is tennis one of the better, like, activities for nice weather? Like, what are some great good weather activities other than tennis? That yeah, I mean, day drinking is one of them with, with White Claw, of course. Boating, golf. But I love tennis. I just, I'm really glad we're starting to play.
1: Uh, I want to start with, uh, you know, unfortunately, I have to let the people know that I beat you've never beaten me at tennis, actually, so far. So it's not just a today.
0: I don't know if that's actually factual or not, but we're going to let it. You've beat me in a set,
1: but you've never beat me in an actual game of tennis.
0: So it is factual. Like I said, I'm not going to deny nor confirm these allegations. So, aka, he's agreeing that it's right. And number two, um...
1: Yeah, I think it is one of the better outdoor activities. Now, it just really depends, right? If we're talking, you know, a Seattle outdoor activity, yes, because Seattle's, you know, has it's like three month, pretty mild summers, right? Like 80, 90 degrees max. Now somewhere like Arizona, it's good, but probably only for, well, probably not in the summer. So it's not a good summer activity. It's actually probably a good fall, winter, and spring activity. But it's one of the better outdoor activities, and I'll I'll tell you why. I think anybody can play it uh, in comparison to things like golf. Not anybody can play golf. Um, Not anybody can play baseball. You you can throw a baseball, I guess. But like tennis is one of the sports like basketball where you can actually play a full game, whether it's one-on-one with other people um, without much assembly going on. You just need a racket and a ball. Just like basketball, you just need a hoop. I mean, it's hard to play a game of soccer unless you assemble eight, nine, ten people. True. It's hard to play a game of baseball if you unless you get a group of people going. So I think tennis is undisputedly one of the better outdoor activities. Um, now, if you want to compare it to other things, you have hiking, day drinking, boating. Yeah. I'm obviously, not a most people
0: well personally,
1: you know but yeah, that. but but in general, I'm saying like yeah. these things are more popular, like boating and day drinking, and going to the pool, obviously. But when it comes to health activities, fitness activities, I would say it's top three probably with. You know, with like tennis, tennis, golfing, and probably something like uh, simple as hiking.
0: Yeah, or pick up hoops. Um, I, I don't know the culture around tennis yet, but I'm assuming it's similar to the culture around basketball and golf, where people play tennis and think they're much better than they actually are um like you know you hear a lot of guys who play basketball who are like oh yeah i could have played you know college basketball if i was you know if coach didn't fuck me over or and a lot of people play golf and like yeah you know if i played a little bit longer and you know played more years i would probably make the pga or make get a pga card or i could compete for an open and spot like you know qualify for the u.s open or whatever i wonder if tennis has that similar thing where a lot of people who play tennis think they're actually better than they are
1: I have a way different impression of golfers. Really, golfers golfers talk about how hard golf is. They just talk about how much they're trying to get better. Think about it. They're not talking about how good they are. Name a friend that doesn't talk about like, oh, just out there again trying to improve my score. True. It's never like, it's never like, man. I, I was right there. I, now I'm seeing that I was going to go pro. I feel like it's usually, man, like, tenth time out this year, like still at a ninety. True. Like,
0: okay. Fair enough.
1: People usually making fun of their own game and about how they're trying to get better. So I have a little bit of a different impression on golf, but I think with tennis, I think we all know it's it's kind of hard. Um, yeah. I, I think, think so. you. I think it just you know who you can play against and who you can't.
0: Yeah. I think that's and, like we're a good level of competition. Like I, w- I would be interested if like in a year or two we played someone who's like, oh, I mean we rally and shit. I know you kick my ass, but like whatever. Um, but in general, I think if we got like a couple guys like we have a friend we talked to beforehand he's i'm moving to arizona you're moving to arizona he's moving to arizona all seattle fans no worries there but um you know in general he was like oh i barely play i think he'd be a good level for us i just wonder if like down the line if we get better and better and better like when we play people actually play tennis would we be able to compete or do we kind of know each other's games i have no idea yet yeah i'm not sure but uh it's a fun sport in general. Fantastic, fantastic sport.
1: The last thing I wanted to mention just really quickly is DodgeCoin, George. My last little icebreaker here. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter. I have DodgeCoin. You have DodgeCoin. We have a lot of friends that have DodgeCoin. Started off as a joke. You know, it was a joke of a uh, coin, but it almost hit a full 10 cents today. It, I, know I think so the close. max it got to is 0.096. Uh, but people are really it's a joke. People I, I tweeted Dogecoin of the Moon. I gotta, you know, of course I gotta respond for people like stop it, LOL. And all I can say is I've you know freaking I've paid some rent off of my Dogecoin and still have a pretty good quantity. I see people posting, you know, uh, living with Lucy on Twitter. She posted uh, her two million quantity of Dogecoin to total return forty-three thousand dollars today and in, in total uh, in lifetime return, she has 143000 you know, she has 200000 dollars equity in there. So yeah. you know, people might laugh at the Dodge coin, but to the moon is all I wanted to say.
0: Totally. And uh one thing I want to say, Sammy, just plain and simply, hot diggity dodge. Hot is that a thing? No, you know, you've heard of hot diggity dog. Yeah. Yeah, hot diggity dodge. I like that, but I'm more of a more of a to the moon guy, George. <laughs>
1: well that's all we got for icebreakers today um and let's get on to the podcast you're gonna hear uh, hear us after a short little intro all right after a quick little icebreakers we do want to introduce ourselves I am Sammy and with me is my big brother George and welcome in to pod that we're just two brothers talking sports and uh we have a little little touch on Seattle sports, a little extra. And we're doing that today. Um, it's going to be a purely Seattle podcast after our icebreakers now. Um, we're going to be doing the most disappointing athletes in Seattle sports history. So join join along. Hope you guys enjoy. Let us know if we missed any. Um, you can find us everywhere at pod that. P-O-D that. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you go. And it's brought to you by The Sports On Tap or thesportsontap.com. And for our Seattle brand, you can find us at sont seattle s-o-n-t seattle on all pro- platforms george and uh are you ready to get onto this show all right we are doing the most disappointing players in seattle sports history and george has the list and i think we're going least the team with the least right george you said the seahawks or sonic the sonic the Sonics.
0: Sonics. and then we're
1: gonna end with the mariners who probably have the most disappointing players um, in Seattle history. So
0: let's get on. I think the list of, uh, players that pleasantly surprised us as Mariners is probably shorter than the list of players that have, uh, disappointed us as Seattle Mariners. Probably, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and actually, the team with the least is the Kraken. But uh, as a Seattle sports fan, I'm, I'm I'm telling you, I have a feeling the Kraken are really going to overachieve I, right away. I mean, hockey does that with the, the expansion draft; gives you a chance to do that. But I have a good feeling about the Kraken's first season, couple seasons.
1: I mean, you you should. If they don't, that means they have bad management. They're pretty much handed a silver plate to to succeed in hockey. I mean, we saw the Vegas Knights in their first year make it all the way Stanley Cup. You literally, if you have a good GM, from everything I've read, if you have a good GM, you're handed a silver plate to have a good season in your first year. Maybe not make it to the Stanley Cup, but to overachieve. So hopefully they don't, you know, follow Mariners' lead. Hopefully they follow maybe a little more of recent Seahawks' lead. Seahawks have actually had a pretty good franchise in general.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right. So we're going to start off with the Seattle Supersonics. Uh Look here. The Sonics had a lot of players that actually didn't disappoint other than big men. It seemed like I'm going to just give one honorable mention real quick here that almost made the list but didn't was Kendall Gill. We traded for him to the Hornets uh, to be like that got the third fiddle after Camp and Peyton. He didn't do shit. Um, He was actually a bigger cancer to the team than anything else. Him and Peyton didn't get along at all. We traded him back to the Hornets for Hersey Hawkins. And the first year we got Hersey Hawkins as Hawkins, as a, Sonics Hershey Sonics as a third fiddle to pay and in and we made the NBA Finals. So Kendall Gill, like he put up a lot of stats, who's good stats, bad team guy. Um, he just didn't really help us out overall. So he and you know he's part of that team that collapsed as a number one seed because of chemistry to the Denver uh, Nuggets in the first round of the playoffs
1: can't lie. You went much longer than I thought you would on a honorable mention. So yeah, so that's I'll leave Kendall it. At, right. I'll
0: leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to kind of work in um, reverse order here. My first guy is Jim McElvain. Um, You know, he's <laughs> one of many Sonics, big men that uh, got a big deal and uh, did nothing but disappoint us. And Jim McElveen kind of was the final straw for Sean camp when he got a Seattle, because he got the money that Sean camp thought he deserved, which he did. And McElvain uh, did shit for us. Um,
1: if you want to look at their uh, his statistics, which I don't know why they gave him money. He was averaging two points, two rebounds. He came to Seattle, had a career year his first year in Seattle. It's actually his career year. Most minutes, um, most points, most rebounds. He averaged 3.8 points per game and four rebounds. So for a guy that's basically taking Sean Kemp's spot, I would say
0: he's quite a disappointment yeah um that's a wally walker trade and uh wally walker was like ended up being kind of a hated gm he kind of helped
1: destroy kind the of
0: it. what's that
1: is it kind of have you ever watched sonic's gate it's yeah basically about much how much he's hated
0: yeah wally walker is f- f- fucking hated here in seattle so yeah all right uh the next I guy, like, uh,
1: jack which we'll get to jack
0: however you say sigma You said
1: how do you say Jack? The Mariners GM, Jags, uh, I can't ja-
0: say oh, I'm sorry, J- Jack Z, Jack Z. Z- Drinick.
1: Yeah, Jack Z, Wally
0: Walker. They're probably the comparison, right? It's a very good comparison, actually. Uh, the next guy on the list is Vin Baker, not because he was a disappointment as a player. It's just because he did, he replaced a legend in, in Sean Kemp. And sometimes you when you replace a legend, you kind of can have a disappointing... Uh, finish and he was pretty good but then he signed a seven year 86 million dollar deal that he never really lived up to and back then that was a max right I mean you couldn't get more than that so he was one of the highest paid players in the NBA he battled alcohol alcoholism he battled depression and uh I don't even know I don't know if he even finished that contract for us uh we I think we shipped him out of town before the contract even finished
1: uh he might I mean l- let me say why he's not a disappointment to me I think we this one, this is the one that I knew I was going to have a little rebuttal on because for me as a kid, you know, being young in that time, I do remember Vin Baker as one of like kind of a Sonic staple for a couple of years. I mean, he was there from 98 until 2002. So I do remember him as a little bit of a staple. And in his first year, he was an all star in Seattle, averaging what was that? He averaged 19 and eight. So it's hard for me to completely call somebody a bust uh, when they did make an All Star team and had some success. I guess he's more—he's one of those that was more like he's a uh, what was like a disappointment based on expectations. But was he just right. just a disappointment? I wouldn't say he's just like a flat out disappointment, right?
0: You yeah, look he wasn't at somebody, a
1: disaster. Yeah, like I think when I what I consider disasters is when teams take like Anthony Bennett in the nba with the number one pick and he's out of the nba in two years right that's a pure disappointment um yeah he was the number one pick but i never set that high of expectations for draft picks you know what i mean But that's like a pure disappointment vin baker made an all-star team it's hard to say he was like a complete bust in my eyes
0: yeah and, and I, this is not a bust list this is a disappointment list he's definitely was not a bust he was just a guy I think if he didn't sign that seven-year, eighty-six million-dollar deal, and he played two years in Seattle and left as a free agent, we'd probably look back at the Vin Baker era and be like, "He was a pretty good player for us."
1: He was a pretty good player for us, though. That's I guess that's my my slight argument. In his, I have his his five-year average in Seattle was sixteen points per game and seven rebounds. Like, t- not not the worst for a guy that was. I, I agree, disappointing to his contract, but averaging sixteen and seven is not the. Uh, not as bad as some of the people we'll get to on this list,
0: <laughs> right? And a fun Vin Baker story here for you. Um, I remember once we were going to a church party as a, as kids, right? Uh, for those who don't who know us, uh, or don't know us, we're Arabic and we do a lot of Arabic church parties. And uh, our parents used to drag them to us when we were young. Now we kind of enjoy them, and, you know, it used to be a lot of adults and stuff. And on the way to the party. I had my parents put on the Seattle Sonics game on the radio. They're playing the Miami Heat, and I'd rather have been watching a game at home, and Vin Baker dropped, like, I think, 24 points in the first quarter. I was so excited. We got to the church party. Um, I couldn't wait to get home and find out how many points he, he sc- ended up scoring, so I like, like was about 24-1 in one quarter. So I got home, turned on sports center, waited, waited days before the internet, uh, had, you had good access and all that waited, waited, He ended up with 28 points. He had like four more points the rest of the game, I believe. That's exciting. Yeah. It was like, to- like I actually got home at like 2 AM and I was like, Oh, I got to find out how many points Vin Baker scored. He had 24 after one.
1: So you you're just another disappointment is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So maybe that's why I have him on this list.
1: <laughs> I got some better stories for you. Um, no offense to your story there, but uh, I thought I thought there was going to be some crazy ending, and it just was that he scored two more points. Four. If you do look up Vin Baker in some of his stories, he did once. Uh, it was January fifth, nineteen ninety six, where he allegedly showed up to a game stoned out of his mind and ended up scoring forty one points. Um, he ninety six. Like, he was
0: on the Bucks, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. But I'm just saying, it's a Vin Baker story. He showed up stoned, uh, scored 41 points. And he said it was statistically his best game ever as a pro. And, uh, it was just odd because he was like, I was feeling some anxiety and walking on air type of thing because I was so stoned. Um, and luckily for him, he has reached sobriety. I know Vin Baker did like end up being a Starbucks barista and working into like a franchise. And now he's back on his feet and he has like his own Starbucks franchise. So not, not all bad news for Vin Baker.
0: Yeah, and you know one interesting thing I do want to say is like I just realized this now, and like, you're gonna be like eh, random. Like the two most iconic players in Sonics, especially like nine, our history, right? When we were kids in the 1990s, were Vin ba- uh, Sean Camp, and Gary Payton. Somehow they were both traded for Milwaukee Bucks players on, in three way trades with uh, with um, Sean Camp going, ending up in Cleveland, and Vin Baker coming to uh, Seattle, and then Gary Payton for Ray Allen. Uh, both Bucks players were traded. So I guess we had like some kind of connection with Milwaukee and the Seattle pilots uh, actually left Seattle to go to Milwaukee to become the Brewers. So a lot of Seattle, Milwaukee history here. There actually is. All right um next guy on the list uh we'll make this one quick is calvin booth six years 34 million dollars came from dallas i believe and he was just another big man that couldn't do shit for us
1: he, he was trash the the sonics had a long list of big men's with the the um who was it? eddie curry and jerome yeah. james and calvin booth a lot in that uh a lot in that era
0: yeah, fair. Like, good thing, though, for us, we weren't dumb enough to give Jerome James the money. After he had his big series against San Antonio, the New York Knicks did us a favor and outbid us for like $40 million and gave him the, the contract. We were trying to give it to him, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, thank God we didn't. But
1: we, we did have a long list of, I know we're going to, I left one out on purpose because I know we're getting to him. I don't know if you had yep. Jerome James or Eddie Curry on the list. Uh, nope. Assuming not. So I wanted to add those two big men before we get to this big man. I'm just going to say it, Robert Swift. Yep, that was the last one on my
0: list. Robert Swift was a piece of shit just to keep it straight. (laughs) (laughs) To keep it real, man. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. I mean, go look up stories after his career. We don't even have to talk about his career because there's like literally nothing. I don't have it. I can't even remember a Robert Swift on the court moment. There's so many bad off the court moments. I
1: mean, I'll get to some of them. I I can tell you the sad story of Robert Swift because – you had Robertson, who was seven one, right? Came out of came out of high school. He bypassed uh, bypassed college, so he was supposedly, you know, like he was literally a high school draftee. and he went fifteenth, fifteenth by the Sonics. Yeah. Um, he, I, I guess, first of all, bad sign is he attended three different high schools, so he probably should have known, right, yeah, uh, uh, that he was not going to be that he was not going to be, you know. I don't know. He couldn't even stay to the same high school. He was selected by the Sonics with the 12th pick. Actually. Sorry. he was projected fifteenth, 12th pick. He signed a three year deal worth 4.4 4 million. And, um, his parents had just filed for bankruptcy for the second time. And he took care of his family, buying them a house. Wow. And man. he was this project himself. He ended up playing only 16 games in his rookie season. Second year played just 47 doing an injury. Um, during his third preseason, tore his ACL and missed the entire year. And then in 2008, he tore his meniscus. And then remember, life after the NBA, he was out of the NBA quick. It led to arrests and foreclosures. He ended up trashing this house. Um, he, you know, he, him and his girlfriend had a, a son, and he had to pay five thousand dollars per month in child support. I think he eventually went bankrupt. Um, and when he remembered he had that house in Isaquia, I believe mm-hmm. he refused to leave that. And when they went there for the foreclosure, it was littered with bullets in the wall, like maggots in the sink, piles of dog feces, pizza boxes, beer cans. And Robert Swift was not only an NBA bust, but he was an NBA bust that led to like a unfortunate like life bust
0: story. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of like the last one, right? I mean, I mean part of the NBA wanting to put a rule, you can't draft guys out of high schools because of people like Robert Swift. Like they're like... Let's put these guys in one year out of high school so we get some more data on them, some more information on them, because people like Robert Swift uh, really fucked up to say the least. But here's my question for you what do you think is worse? Is, is it worse to like get a guy like Robert Swift, first round pick, 12th overall, who bust, or sign Calvin Booth to a six year and you, six year thirty four million dollar deal? Would you rather like cause you said Swift made four point three million, Booth was six years thirty four million, but which one's worse? To sign the bust or draft the bust?
1: Uh, sometimes I say draft just because when you're drafting, I guess I have less expectations of a draft player, drafted player. So it's kind of hard. You have more expectation of a guy that's already produced somewhere else. And then you sign them or produced on your team. But the thing with the draft, I think the draft depends how high the draft. I don't know. That's hard. Robert Swift was a yeah. top fifteen pick, so that was a very big disappointment for me. I'd ra- that's more disappointing for me because it went so far north, right? Like you, south. it, it or so south, so far south that he, I don't know. I mean, like his life became a bust. But usually, I would say it's definitely when you sign a player to a fat contract.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel too, because of the money situation. Now, I guess if you were the number one overall pick, that's a different story, right? Like the number one pick of a draft. If he's a disappointment, that's worse than signing. Calvin moved to a six year, $34 million deal.
1: Yeah. Right. right. That's true. All
0: right. Um, all right. That's my Sonics guys. I don't know if you have any one. I, I forgot that you wanted to mention, but those, those are my Sonics.
1: I think that's all I got. I obviously there's probably somebody before our time,
0: but I'm not interested in really I remember, like a guy from North Carolina forte or whatever he did was the first one to like go down in the Kardashian curse. Um, he was kind of a disappointment. He was really good. Joe Forte from North Carolina. Yeah, but he, I don't
1: think he was big enough. Like No,
0: no, he was. He was like the 29th pick of a draft. Like He wasn't big enough, but just wanted to mention him. Yeah,
1: I think we've probably covered most of the Sonic players I can remember. I'll bring it up if I think of another one as we go here. But he, he those those were – I think the for me it was really the big men, right? The Vin Baker. Right. Then you go to like uh, Calvin Booth, Jerome James, Eddie Curry – um oh who was that one guy oh there's one more big man i was thinking of Um, uh, and then you have robert swift and different things so uh, the sonics have had some very disappointing big men
0: no no to- like absolutely all right so let's get on to the sonics net uh seahawks next and we're gonna start off with a um a linebacker that everyone is well aware of brian bosworth um probably the best player in college football. We get him in the first round supplemental draft pick, which I don't think we have supplemental draft picks anymore. Um, he was supposed to be the next big thing, right? I think it was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and nicknamed the Boz. And his career was just shit. Um, he was just never any good. And he, I, I don't know where he is now. He was super famous till today just because Brian Bosworth was so good in college. It's like a... Tim Tebow of linebackers, but this guy's a badass and not like super religious or anything like that. No, yeah, but you said something, uh, Tim Tebow of linebackers. I do know that he was, if
1: you, I watched the Boz uh, documentary 30 for yeah. 30. There, it, there was some Tim Tebow to it where some people did not think he could survive in the NFL. Right. Um, and I think that wasn't based on talent, but his was more based on like attitude problems. and Right. Whatnot, right? right. So, but Tim Tebow was based on like, Oh, I don't know if his style fits. So it was a very interesting disappointment because it's like Tim Tebow. It's like...
0: Ryan Leaf might have been a better uh, example there. What? Ryan Leaf.
1: Yeah, but Bosworth, I don't think, like, went to jail multiple times like that. No, no.
0: I'm just talking about, like, attitude.
1: Yeah, but here's the difference. Ryan Leaf got picked, what, number one, number two? Two. I think Bosworth and Tebow were both, like, mid-round type of people because people were wondering if they could work. So True. I just think they're a very good example of like superstar college kids that were very like, it was very, it's, it wouldn't, you would not have been shocked if they became all time greats, but it's also disappointing seeing them. You're not shocked either if they're not that great, but it's a disappointment regardless because they went from pinnacle, you know, the Vince Young's of the world, the Tebow's, exactly. the Bosworth's, the whoever, like the, the, the like top level players, but um, I do still think it's cool when people have a Bosworth like throwback Seahawks jersey.
0: Me too. And it, it does look cool if his mullet and the Seahawks uh, helmets and all that. So that's pretty cool. The yes. next guy, 1991 first round draft pick, uh, the Seattle Seahawks selected at quarterback the original, um, God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, Brock Osweiler, six foot eight, Dan McGuire. And they labeled him our quarterback of the future. He ended up playing for the Seahawks for three years, threw for seven hundred forty-five yards in twelve games of two touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh only seventeen so, picks only seventeen picks later, the Atlanta Falcons uh drafted a guy you may have heard of called Brett named Brett Farf. So you're telling me it did not work out very well. No, Dan McGuire did not work out too fantastically for the Mariners. I uh, Seahawks. Well Dan. Or for the Mariners in that matter too, could he never played for them. That's true. So um he's not the last quarterback Sammy that the Marin- the, the Mariners the Seahawks had problems with. Two Stop years saying. Later- Mariners my man. The, yeah, I know. the Seahawks. Seahawks. It's the Seahawks 2 years later had another first round draft pick and unfortunately they had the second pick of a draft. Everyone was, you know, hoping, praying that we could get Drew Bletso, a more of a local product. He went first to the New England Patriots with the second pick of a draft out of Notre Dame the Seattle Seahawks why, why are
1: you doing this like we're drafting right now
0: Rick Meyer
1: I'm like I'm just like waiting for this name I'm sitting here like okay yeah it's drafted with the second pick overall Da-da-da, I'm like okay who's the player
0: Rick Meyer and then
1: you hit me with somebody like Rick Meyer and I'm like who after after that introduction George, I was hoping I got like a uh, some big name Rick Meyer
0: Yep. Um. So he ended up in his Seahawks career playing for four years, being the second overall pick, had 41 total touchdowns, 56 interceptions. So um, didn't really work out. Notre Dame product uh, seems like another. Qu- what was the last Notre Dame quarterback to really fucking work out? I can't even think of one. So, um, yeah, another r- Notre Dame quarterback, I guess, Joe Montana, uh, that just didn't work out.
1: Yeah. Uh, you said he was the second pick in the draft like an overall pick. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty high to be bad. Um, see now to me that that's now this is one of the ones I don't know. nothing about this guy, obviously he was drafted the year I was born. Um, and, but when you draft a quarterback with the first or second or third overall pick, like you're it's, you know, it's not like drafting Russell Wilson in the third round. This is the guy you're expecting to be your franchise quarterback for 10, 15, 20 years. Right. Um, so This one's probably, it depends what area you grew up in. For us, it's maybe not the most disappointing one on the list, but I'm sure there's somebody that if you were, you know, in your 20s during the 90s, like he could go down as one of the more disappointing ones for somebody that was, you know, in the middle of their 20s and we took this guy at number two. Um, I could see that being some people's, you know, biggest disappointment.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, The next guy. Jeremy Stevens was a first-round pick. Sometimes you forget that Jeremy Stevens was a first-round pick.
1: Yeah, we had a couple people say that on our – I know we tweeted out, like I I said at the beginning in the intro, if you guys go to at San Seattle, it's our Seattle account, um, on Twitter or any platform. But I tweeted it out, who's your most disappointing um, Seattle player? And I think we got a few people that said Jeremy Stevens because um, he was supposed to be like – wasn't he supposed to be like the Kyle Pitts of this
0: year's draft? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like one of the best words. tight ends,
1: like he's supposed to supposed to be one of the best tight end prospects ever.
0: Yeah, and he just I mean, he was just another guy who was just a piece of shit. Um got in so much trouble so many times at UW too. They kind of just put that, you know, uh what they say, swept that under the rug. And then gets drafted, gets in trouble in the NFL and never could really last and uh sometimes, man, I think jeremy stevens being a local product needed to go somewhere else um maybe getting out of the environment of the people he knew his whole life maybe going somewhere where you know he could be not around the people that he kept getting in trouble with um might have helped him out
1: yeah i think he like you said he's probably just he was around the wrong people probably being a native um and you already knew that he you know was going through some stuff and i know that he ended up getting a couple DUIs, spending some time in jail. Um, he was in celeb. He was in some high-profile celebrity relationships. I don't know if you remember who he was married to. Um. Yeah, I think they're still ma- married, right? Hope Solo. Are they divorced? Yeah, they're not married. I think they were married. They got divorced in 2015, I believe. Okay. Um. So he was married to Hope Solo, one of the, I would say, one of the more famous all-time U.S. women soccer players, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, maybe the most famous other than Mia Ham and maybe Megan Raponi, I guess is pretty now. Famous. Yeah, at
1: that time, she probably was her and Mia Ham were like the two biggest, yeah. of all time. Exactly. Um, and you know, it's interesting because he had this big, you know, celebrity profile to him for a tight end, especially right? Marrying Hope Solo, he was a big name coming out of college, and it all kind of just went downhill, which was very unfortunate. He was supposed to be something big, and he, you know. My memory, George, of Jeremy Stevens, and maybe it's because I was young, 06, um, was the Super Bowl. I remember well. Th- it was the non-call pass interference in the end zone where the ref bumped into him. Was it him, yeah. right? It was him the yeah. ref bumped into in the end zone in the or, Super Bowl.
0: I think – did he – no, I think he – did he uh, – you might be right, but he might have also caught the ball, and then they called it a phantom holding call, and it came back to him. He made like a really long pass i um, be wrong about that too, but I think you're right about that pass interference. It was too. one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. Um, Seattle
1: and Josh after catching Flack. He dropped one. I don't know. No, he did catch one in the end zone. I think that got you're right. That did get called back, and he did drop one right after. I think as well. Oof. But I, that's what I did remember. He was he was a prominent part of that Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, because he had talent, right? He was at all world talent, just a, a no world brain. Um. Aaron oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Curry next.
1: Okay, I have something to say about Aaron Curry immediately. All right. Uh, for those who don't remember the linebacker, uh, he, was supposed to be, yeah, he was supposed to be the next big thing as well for us. The, uh, this happens for every team. So it sounds kind of like a lot of disappointment, but this happens to every team. Like every other year, you're going to have a couple bad draft picks. Um, but he is actually current assistant with the Seahawks. So I want to start this with, Aaron Curry's actually, he's had a better career now as a coach than as a player. And he's been a great part of the Seahawks organization despite being an on field disappointment.
0: Fair. Yeah. And I'm glad for him too, because from all accounts, he was never like, he was a hard worker. He just never panned out. Yeah. Um, You know, nothing off
1: the field, which is good.
0: Didn't do anything bad off off the field. Last but not least, and you might not remember him. Many Seahawks fans might not remember him. Remember Grant Woodstrom? No, he played for the Seahawks after signing a huge deal as a defensive end from the uh, St. Louis Rams. He is like that blonde guy. Like God, man, I yeah, guess with he, the with the curls. I know you're talking the about curls. He signed a huge deal with us and never did shit, I and mean, then we had to end up uh, cutting him.
1: What do you mean by he didn't do shit, though?
0: So I'm trying to pull up the uh, thing I read all about Grant Winstrom's time in Seattle here, if I can get to it. Um, let's just say he didn't have a good time in Seattle. Um, we had to end up cutting him before his contract ended even. Um, he just wasn't very good for us. Well, another
1: bad signing. <laughs> another
0: I think um, uh, honorable. Well, we, uh, he had a six-year, thirty-three million dollar deal, um, and he got eleven sacks out of those that six years deal. Basically, yeah, not great. No, um, honorable mention. I, I, w- I want to get your opinion on this. Does he deserve to be on this, or does he not deserve to be on this? Julius Jones. Remember this. Dallas Cowboys running back came and signed with the Seahawks. Um, Kind of shared the back platoon in the backfield, we replaced Sean Alexander. Um, never really did much for us.
1: Well, if I don't remember who he is, probably deserves to be on the list.
0: Well, um, one thing about him, but I remember very, very uh, well was that he. He was famous for smoking cigarettes, and as a running back, it's probably never really the greatest thing. And I thought it was all a joke. And then one time I was in Kirkland at the 24-hour fitness uh, area, and he was coming out of TGI Friday, standing by his uh, Bentley, and he lit a cigarette. And I was like, oh, I guess Julius Jones um, does smoke cigarettes. Yeah, probably not great for a running back. No, no, no. So, I mean, yeah, not the greatest thing. So that those are my Seattle Seahawks. Is there anyone I left off the list you think you want to mention, or we all good there?
1: No, uh, they have a list of guys that I wouldn't consider disappointments, but they were disappointing at the same time. Like yeah, the Jerry Rices and the Terrell Owens when we signed these old guys that just weren't good. But you can do the same with the Sonics. Like the Sonics signed Patrick Ewing, but like we should have known better is what I think they Right, had, rather than so being disappointed. That it was like, mm, okay, whatever. Like you should have known better. Yeah, like it's quite like will same- say, I will say Matt Flynn might be a disappointment but that's only because russell wilson was so much better but matt flynn i think he was gonna be a disappointment i was gonna i would say like he probably wasn't gonna live up to that contract the fact that a rookie came in and beat him out and it's no rookie no simple rookie obviously it's it's russell wilson but the fact that he so easily got beat out by a rookie that rarely happens in four preseason games um i'm gonna say matt flynn was a slight disappointment all
0: right uh one guy people kept mentioning, I do not believe you I mean he wasn't good was Corin Robinson. Remember him? Wide receiver? Wide receiver, yeah. But I don't I mean he was the seventh overall pick in the draft or ninth overall pick. I mean he didn't really live up to that, but he was an okay player for us.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I don't need no honorable mentions, George. All right. If if you if you think he's disappointing, tell me he's disappointed. Cause like these guys, I don't know, like You know, there's so many guys you can consider disappointment like this list could technically be 100 people, you know, exactly. Yeah. So if they're not really a bust like for us,
0: like eh. they are not a bust, they're not a must on our list.
1: That that is true. That is a
0: perfect analogy. All right. Perfect. Uh, next is the Seattle Mariners. I do want to mention a former Seattle Mariner, uh, Alex Rodriguez has purchased the M- Minnesota Timberwolves. I guess he had to sign it in the thing that he won't move the team to Seattle or anywhere for that matter. Um, but I did find it, did Clay like, Bennett. So so to, yeah, so, did Clay Bennett, so maybe there's a chance he can redeem himself. But The former Seattle Mariners, Sammy, I know you just tw- tweeted this out earlier, but, um, The first overall pick for the Timberwolves said, uh, had some interesting things to say about Alex Rodriguez being the new owner. That was a really, that was a very, I'm going to be honest, that was
1: a very uh, ESPN trying to like, what's it called? Uh, Teaser. Teaser. And a bad one, George. I'm sorry. Why? We We keep it real on this podcast. He had some very interesting things to say. He didn't have anything interesting to say about Alex Rodriguez. I thought it was interesting. No. You, see, you can't lie to people like this. George is try, trying to be ESPN on what, here. what, what that? With no,
0: dude, come on. Man. He doesn't, he doesn't you, I have, find it interesting. I like when you I, tell me hold I don't find it was interesting.
1: I'm just going to let you know. People aren't going to be able to hear either one of us if you yell over me when I'm talking. And you said he has interesting things to
0: say about Alex Rodriguez. Okay, it, That's a lying statement state. about Alex Rodriguez.
1: There you go. Not about Alex Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, you want to read it because I didn't. I was trying to like have you pull it up. That's why I kind of said. It oh, like that. he said I don't know who that is.
1: I know he's going to be the owner,
0: but I don't know anything about baseball. Do you think he's telling the truth or not? That he doesn't know who Alex Rodriguez is. Uh,
1: I'm probably telling the truth. He's 18 years old or 19 years old, and maybe really doesn't watch baseball. But it'd be pretty shocking if you actually don't know who Alex Rodriguez is. Yeah, I just thought
0: he's that actually
1: was- and he's also he's also known as a funny guy, like oh, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, like he's the jokester. Like he, you can literally go on Twitter and like find all these like funny interviews he's done. So there is a chance he's just messing around, right?
0: True, true. Hopefully, he becomes a Seattle supersonic one day in a Minnesota Timberwolf.
1: Pretty crazy to think, though. 19 years old playing in the NBA and says,
0: I don't know who Alex Rodriguez is. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But he He didn't have any. like I told you, though. He didn't have anything to say about Alex Rodriguez specifically.
0: Yeah. I like how he said, I don't know who he is. I don't know nothing about baseball. So you you do now well, but maybe he just found out who he is. Yeah, he probably knows who he is now. And I, that'd be funny if you actually had to go look him up, though. Because like, come on, dude. Exactly. All right. So uh, to the Seattle Mariners. All right, th- this is a very very long list, so this can go on forever. Um, so I'm gonna kind of like go down the list. Let's play a game here. You tell me if he's disappointing. If you have more to say or not, we're gonna start off the first one overall. Kind of the reason we thought of doing this podcast because uh, he's now having Tommy John surgery out for the year. James Paxton, uh, I put him as disappointing because of the injury history. Uh, do you find him disappointing? So you want to do this because there's too many to like just list out, there, dude? This list is so long. Like if you have someone you want to talk about, tell me. This is like there's so many guys on this list.
1: I'm gonna say yes about James Paxton, but. He still technically has a chance to re- re- like redeem himself because mm-hmm. he already made his way back to Seattle once. I'm assuming he's probably going to sign like a cheap deal with us again next year yeah. now after his injury. So, if he has one healthy season like to the end, he's really not a disappointment. Cause if you compare him to the other prospects that we had during his time, he's been the most successful out of all of them. So, like, It's the hardest to call a disappointment.
0: No, totally. I just feel like, God, he has some – It's like I asked you this. Would you rather have James Paxson's talent and have like what he has, the injury problem, injury bug, or would you rather be like kind of below average and just play all the time? Like it's kind of like he has so much talent. I just wish he could put it all together and stay healthy, but obviously he can't. Yeah. Uh,
1: It's kind of – He's a disappointment. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. Because if he was healthy, he was like the, I saw a tweet was like, he's the biggest Cy Young or bust. Uh, like he's the biggest Cy Young or bust. Or Sorry, no, Cy Young or injury talent like in the league. Like he's literally either like, oh, he can be the Cy Young or, or he's out for the year. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of guys that are that in between every single year.
0: No, no, totally. I totally agree. Uh, The next guy on the list, kind of fitting for today also, uh, because we're playing the Orioles, is Eric Bedard.
1: Oof, yeah, he's obviously one. (laughs) He's on the list of a lot of guys, though, that are like the Richie Sexton, Big Contract,
0: maybe even Adrian Beltre, who,
1: you know, like all these guys that got those big contracts in Seattle and just would not perform in Seattle for some reason.
0: Right. And Bedard, man, he was he had all the stuff and we were literally a pitcher away from making a playoff run. we bought, we were out of of the ALS for by one game. We added Eric Bedard and he was just just he
1: didn't I had a dollar every time I've heard that. We were a pitcher away from making
0: the playoffs. <laughs> and but man, he was hated too. Like his personality was shit. Like that's the best way to put talk about his personality. He was a shithole.
1: Yeah, wasn't he just a like a grumpy asshole? Yeah, he
0: didn't want to talk to the media. Yep, he, he he sucked in all aspects. And the worst part of it was we gave up Adam Jones, who became like a lovable guy in Baltimore and was really good for a few years. And it's like, I think he's playing in Japan now, by the way, Adam Jones. But um, yeah, yeah Eric, Eric Bedard, man, he's like maybe the most hated Mariner of my lifetime. Some people would probably disagree with you and say A-Rod because of what he did. Yeah,
1: and how he left, and then after that be, was caught as a cheater and all these different things. True. A-Rod has a pretty high level of hate in baseball in general. But, yeah, Eric Bedard did hit home pretty hard because you you thought you were having a Cy Young come to town and really make a huge difference, and instead he's
0: was just an asshole to people. No, exactly. Next on the list, another pitching uh, a guy. I think he went a Cy Young right before coming to Seattle, Cliff Lee.
1: Yeah, he did win a Young, I think, from Seattle. He's on the same level as Eric, but Bedard for me. He's a little just better. It's not, not an asshole. Yeah. But no, it's still very
0: disappointing. I mean, no, like, no, very disappointing. Yeah, that's why he makes his list. But he was a little better. Um, these guys are kind of the uh the trifecta here, the Ackley of Nino and Justin Smoke uh club. Uh, um, just lump all three together as one disappointing black hole.
1: Justin Smoke, uh obviously made an all-star appearance after leaving Seattle, which yep, he did. to my to my excitement actually, because people used to laugh at me when I said he would be an all-star one day. And he did. He did it. I'm proud of him. Um I just wish it was in Seattle. Um not <laughs> not in Toronto. But uh he I mean he had just he got out of the country. Not even out of the state. He got out of the country to become an all-star. He had to do it in Toronto. Um but yeah Ackley is probably the most disappointing of them all. Some people might say Zanino, but I'm pr- Zanino and Ackley actually are the two most disappointing Mariners probably of all time prospect-wise. I think they were both pick number two and number three. And I'm pretty sure Ackley was like the college baseball player of the year and Zanino You're in right. his year had the Golden Spikes, which like the best catcher yep. in college and like whatever those awards
0: are. College they're both number obviously- two overall picks.
1: Yeah, college baseball is pretty obsolete, so I don't have too much to say about it. But like they were the big, big names, right? Exactly. And, you know, a lot of teams came up with guys like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper's of the world when they had top picks in the draft. We had come
0: up with guys like Mike Zanino and Dustin Ackley, so it's quite disappointing. Totally. Um, Another trifecta here, the Holton, Taiwan Walker, and James Paxton Club. We already talked about Paxton. Walker showed some signs, and I don't think Holton ever did anything
1: just kept getting hurt, I think.
0: Yeah. And
1: I'm still a fan of Timon Walker. Um, you know, I think he's had a pretty decent career compared to... Not, not like as good as we'd want. The problem is the man for the last three, four years just keeps getting hurt. Right. Um, but he is part of an extreme, unfortunate, I would call bust, like you're saying, of players. Um, but him and Paxton both. Well, actually all three of them, they're Holtz we never got to see in the big leagues, but I think Walker and Paxton also it's the, the injuries like their biggest problem is never stay healthy.
0: True. No, no, I absolutely. mean Walker,
1: I, I swear, I think his max games he's ever played in the season is 11 from what I was looking at. I think it was. And it's like, he's, he's been in the league for what? Seven
0: years. Yeah. Something like that. I remember he almost threw a perfect game once. And I think it was like one, like ninth inning that it ended. Or no-hitter. I'm not sure which one it was. It was either perfect or no-hitter. Probably a no-hitter. But Paxton threw a no-hitter. I guess that's cool. In Toronto, hey, so, yeah. I guess that's cool.
1: Yeah, his, his... Oh, sorry. The most games he's played is 28. He had three years of playing de- a decent amount of games. At 22 years old, 23 and 24. And then since then, it's kind of just been on and off. So, a little disappointing.
0: Uh, next is Nick Franklin. I know you uh loved Nick Franklin, he ended up having a better career than uh in, out of Seattle, but uh, that's one you told me you might not find to be a complete bust.
1: Yeah, I don't think he really got enough time in Seattle. Um, I mean, he had I'm looking at it now, he had one year where he batted, he had one full season in Seattle, really. He had 2013 where he batted 225. With 12 home runs. And then the next year, he played a total of 17 games on the Mariners.
0: And so, yeah, on. he never really got to play for Seattle. Okay, fair enough. Now, my favorite yeah. guy on, on this list. Jesus Montero. Yeah, a guy is a fucking bona fide scrub. Bona fide bust. He's, um, a, he's, he's definitely a quadruple A hitter, man. He was like a 350 hitter in Triple A and like a 200 not even a sub 200 in, in major leagues like he was the he was the quadruple A Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh he is
1: He might have been a bigger bust than we even talk about because of the feeling of like he was supposed to I don't know what the best way to put it. I is. think he was like, the number
0: one prospect in all of baseball. I yeah, remember. and
1: we thought we got him on like the steal. Like, oh my god, how the hell do we have Jose Jesus Montero from the Yankees, right? Right. But um, let me tell you something, George. No, I got something to say. If the Yankees give up a prospect like that, okay? Let me tell you what that means. That means they know. The Yankees don't Probably just know. give up prospects. The Yankees don't just give up. The next, the next Babe Ruth. Okay, the Yankees don't do that. So that should have told yeah. us something. Like, who's the guy right now for the Yankees?
0: Um, uh, wow, I can't believe I'm I'm spacing out on his name, but I know exactly. Who. J- Jason Sanchez, Jason yeah. Dominguez.
1: If they're like, hey Mariners, can we? Do you want to trade him for fucking Kyle Seeger? You'd be like, no. We
0: There's did trade Michael with. Pineda, who was the number one bi- pitching prospect in baseball at the time.
1: Okay. And still, so that's actually a great example, my friend. You know why? Because do you think the Yankees would have given up the next generation's like Giancarlo Stanton or the next Jason Dominguez for a starting
0: pitcher? No. No. So they were like,
1: oh, yeah, you can have
0: him. Yeah. Like, we just what don't was need matters do right now. Didn't he throw an ice cream? Didn't a scout throw an ice cream sandwich at him or something? When or he was he back, threw, you mean he threw an ice
1: cream sandwich at somebody?
0: Yeah, yeah, something like that. When they call him fat, which kind of is ironic. Like you call me fat, so I throw an ice cream sandwich at you. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of awesome though. I he know. he
1: probably is in the Hall of Fame of like being a dick. Yeah,
0: but he really did hit like three fifty in Triple A, like for the Rainiers, and he was like on fire. when he comes and it's like sub two hundred. Like he's a quadruple A all star.
1: Yeah, uh, he he was one of those. Who was who somebody else like that I'm thinking of that was like in, like he was in when he was doing minor league stuff, he just kills it. And then I don't know who I'm thinking of, but it, that that makes him even more major disappointment because every time he, I think it was Mike Zanino, wasn't it? Every time Mike Zanino went down, like he'd hit a couple home runs.
0: And yeah, Zanino was another guy who's just a fucking monster in AAA.
1: Yeah.
0: So, Oh, Franklin Gutierrez
1: used to do that shit, Ooh, too. Yeah, but and he, he would come to Nick, the big leagues. He had health issues, I know, but he'd come he to the so big leagues, and people. he would – I think we are a little glitched behind. Yeah, we, we, uh, we, he had a couple of health issues, but he was one of those guys that would always come in and like, hit 10 home runs and then like, fall off and then go A, come back, hit
0: 10 home runs, fall off. But he did end up with a lot of health issues, so unfortunately. Exactly. Well, next guy on the list, um, he wasn't around for too long. We signed him to a big deal as a closer. Jose Mesa, remember him? No. Now yeah, he used to just blow leads like it was nobody's business. Um, y- you don't want to look up Jose Mesa. It's just bad, bad vibes. So I restrain anyone from uh, getting down that rabbit hole. The next guy on the list is one that I told Sammy is pretty random. Uh brother of Nomar Garcia Parra, Michael Garcia Parra. Uh we got him with the, as a first round pick. He never made the major leagues.
1: So if you told me we got him, like I think we picked up Kyle Seeger's brother, Justin. Not yeah. obviously not Corey Seeger. That'd been it. nice if that was who it was. But we picked up Justin Seeger, and I think that was in like the like Thirtieth round or some shit, right? Yep. So it's like, oh, fine, cool, didn't work out, but it like I like the theory of getting Nomar Garcia Parra's uh, brother, right? Like giving him a shot, but like, was he supposed to be good or was was he supposed to be a first round guy?
0: Yeah, yeah. So here's here's I'm gonna read a couple things for you um, from a website. I don't think he is still around because he hasn't updated it since 2012. It says SeattleSportsShell.com. So shout out to SeattleSportsShell.com. Um, Michael Garcia Parra, first round pick. This was a guy we seemingly drafted on name alone. I mean, Nomar was a great player for Boston. How could his brother not be so great? We took him as a shortstop in the first round, and to make matters worse, David Wright was drafted two picks later. Oh, really? By the Mets, yeah. Wow. Well, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Garcia Para. All right. Um, Rich Aurelia, we signed him from San Francisco, I believe, and he was great in San Francisco, f- fucked for us and then not so fucked, and then went out back to the National League, and I think he hit 40 home runs at like next year. You can look up his stats. It was like outstanding how bad he was. No, he, he was in Colorado, which you never want to sign a Colorado Rocky guy, comes to Seattle, can't have, and leaves us and can hit again. Yeah. uh, No comment. Don't even know who he is. So. Hey, I remember When him. I
1: don't know who they are, that tells me they're not as big of a bust as we think they
0: are. You know what, Sammy? Let's look up Richard is. numbers. Because I think it's out. Like, I remember him so vividly when I was young. Because, like, we did sign him, like, to a huge deal. All right. So, at San Francisco... He played for San Francisco the year before we signed. He was, okay, so 2001, 37 home runs. Can I just stop you for half a second? Because yeah. I'll tell you why he's not that big of a bust. He played 70 games on the Mayors. Yeah, but we signed him to a contract. He was so bad, we had to just ship him out of town. It wasn't that bad. He batted
1: 240 with four home runs. Like, he batted 240. That wasn't even his worst season, I think, in the MLB. So, I don't consider it that big of a bust. And when you ship him out of town, you don't have his contract
0: anymore. True. You're right. We got to save there. How about Richie Sexton? Would you call him a bust or not? Him, yes, because he was supposed to be what would, like this next
1: God, He makes me think of one other guy who was the guy that always hits home run on Baltimore that did the same thing, like couldn't hit home runs at Safeco recently. Recently. We got him from Baltimore, you said? Mark Trumbo. He reminds me of like Mark Trumbo. Oh my God. Yeah. But if you look at Richie Sexton, he did. He did bat 263 and 264 his first two years with 39 home runs and 34 home runs with the Mariners. We take that right now. Yeah. And so bust, no. But was he a slight disappointment? I'd say, I don't know, man. I think he because of his bad ending, like a bad last two years, it feels like he was a bust. But I think we've seen worse. I think we've seen worse when it comes to guys like Mark Trumbo, for example, like hits 50 home runs for like two straight years, comes to Seattle, has like worst year ever. And then he went back to Baltimore and hit 50 home runs the next season, right? Yeah, So, And like then that. you had Adrian Beltre here, who is just an average player for some reason here, and then goes to Texas
0: and then goes into his 40s, batting like 325. Wins an MVP after leave C- leaving Seattle, I believe. Or At an older age. Top three.
1: Yeah, so Richie Sexton, I'd say, is a disappointment, but I would say that we've seen worse.
0: Okay. Um, Jeff Clement. I, you probably don't remember that name, but uh, he was he was Mike Zanino before Mike Zanino. First-round pick, third overall as a catcher. And, um, yeah, I think he played, like, barely any games in the major leagues for us. I don't even know if, like, if he played 30 games for us. Jeff Clement.
1: Uh, I, I've heard about how much of a bust he is, but I don't have much to say.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm going to put two more guys in. I'm leaving the one guy for last. Sean Figgins uh, for his contract. I think he's a bust. Chone. Chone Figgins. Because I think he spelled
1: it C-H-O-N-E. Yes, he did. I used to call him Chone Figgins. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely a bust. Another one that I'm going to say, not that big of a bust in the sense that, like, I don't know. Well, I guess he was, he, his career collapsed in Seattle, but I guess I wasn't <laughs> expecting him to necessarily be you know, the next baby Ruth or, or Ty Cobb. Yeah, I mean, he did get MVP yeah. votes four out of six years before joining the Mariners, and then was on the Mariners for three years, averaging two fifty nine, one eighty eight, and one eighty one. So you could say he was a his career collapse, but I guess he maybe was, I just didn't he added have that
0: in one eighty eight and one eighty one. Yeah. Oh my god! All right, um, Drew Smiley. Remember that name? Yeah. Yeah, he never made it. Yeah, he's not good. Yep. And last but not least, and this one I thought was interesting because he did have a good career after leaving Seattle. Another guy who had to, as you say, leave the country. He had to go to uh, Canada. Brandon Morrow. Yeah, he became a very good pitcher, right? Yeah, but for Seattle, he wasn't a very good pitcher.
1: Yeah, see, this is one of those guys that I think I'm going to defend as well. Because if I remember correctly, it wasn't as bad as we thought in Seattle. I think right, it, just it felt wasn't. bad. I think it felt bad because of his success elsewhere. We also must consider the man was 22, 23, and twenty four years old during his time in Seattle. Uh, he never had an ERA over you know four three nine. He had a year where he went. Let's see here, this one he went three and four with a four three four. I guess the biggest issue is. He really didn't get that many games in, in Seattle.
0: Right. Uh, well, we tried to make him into like a closer reliever or whatever. And really, he kind of did really good as a starting pitcher in Toronto, I feel like. And I think we just had him did. in the wrong role. He became a,
1: he had one very good season. I think this is the one remembering it was 2012, three years after leaving Seattle.
0: He went 10 and seven as a starter with the 296 ERA. Yeah, sub threes always great. So I left him for yeah. last because, yeah, we should have started him. Like I kind of wish like we gave him a chance as a starting pitcher. Maybe it would have been a different story, but we didn't.
1: No, we um, did not. You're right. I want to finish off of somebody else because okay. I'm very passionate about Adrian Beltre and his time in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> because George, Adrian Beltre. Okay, he when he was on he was on the Dodgers. Okay. Yep. So, this is what, this is what Adrian Beltrade did in his career. At 21 years old, let's start there. He batted 290, then 265, 257, 240. Oh, 25 years old on the Dodgers. 25 years old. Okay. Batted, bats 334 with 48 home runs and finishes second in the MVP voting to Barry Bonds. And then he goes to Seattle. He bats, this is from ages 26 to 30. Okay. Yep. He bats 266 with 100 home runs, and that's in five years. So 20 home runs a year ish, average of 266, um, right in the middle, kind of just gold glover, but kind of right in the middle. He then proceeds to leave Seattle. Okay. He leaves Seattle, and for (laughs) the next, from 2010 to 2017, George, he makes the All Star team four times. He's yep. in the MVP voting for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight years, on Boston and Texas, with a batting average. This is from ages thirty-one to thirty-eight, with the batting average of three ten and two hundred and twelve home runs. Um, and had a lead. He had a, a career 199 hits, uh, at one hundred ninety-nine hits at one of the years, and basically went from a two sixty batter in Seattle to a career over a seven-year span, three hundred and eleven hitter in Texas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to call him a disappointment. He was average. Like, I think he was disappointing. Like he was a disappointment compared to what he did after. Yes. Like, if you told me if I guess if I knew what he was going to be um if you told me he was going to do this after the Seattle career and dur- like during the Seattle time, I don't think I think he was a slight disappointment. But then if I knew he was going to have that career after the Seattle thing, I would have been like, holy shit, this guy is a big disappointment. Yeah, I agree with that. Like it's kind of a weird way to look at it, but that's how I look at it.
1: Yeah. I just, it just pisses me off because like, no, and it's your, it's,
0: it's your right to piss you off.
1: We're Mariners fans, baby. well, the Mariners list went a little went a little long because, unfortunately, that's our reality. But, uh,
0: yeah, George? Like, this is one of those like, oh, I wish the podcast went shorter. Why? Because that means we would have been better. Yeah, but we're not. But it it's be, fine. It would mean have meant I had a better life.
1: Let me just tell you, it's 2021. If somebody's looking up this list and finds this on our website, you know, most of us disappointing Seattle players, whatever, I will say we have Kyle Lewis. We have some young talent on this Mariners team. Julio Rodriguez coming up, Jared Kelenic coming up. So the Mariners' future is fine right now. For the first time, probably in twenty years. So
0: can't complain. So. Fair enough. Hopefully, right. I hope. I hope we don't like redo this podcast in ten years. Like our right, biggest Mariners disappointments: Jared Kalinick, um Julio Rodriguez. Like if that happens, man, I'm telling you, I'm just. I, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So. That's just how I feel.
1: Me too. It's not. I mean, some of these guys are Kyle Lewis one rookie of the year. It's already proven. He's all right. So, yeah. So we're not not as bad as we used to be. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Um, we did start with icebreakers. So everybody, I hope enjoyed the new segment. Um, And we're going to be doing a lot of Seattle sports stuff coming up for those that are you know, wondering. We're going to do a lot of Seattle stuff, but we're going to also mix in other stuff. We're going to be mixing in NBA, NFL, other sports. You'll see the same for us on our social media if you follow us at the sports on tap or at pod that for the podcast. And if you follow George on tap or Sammy on tap on social media, I'm I'm S-A-M-I, by the way. S-A-M-I on tap. George on tap is our two ats. And... I think we both are basically, we, we post a mix of content, some Seattle, some other, but there's obviously a little lean on Seattle sports because that's the hometown sports short.
0: Yeah. And um, also, if you're a Seattle sports fan, I do suggest you go download our other podcast called the Seattle Chronicles, uh, Seahawks Chronicles, and is a history of a Seattle Seahawks. So if you like Seattle sports, you're going to find it really interesting here during the off season if you missed some Seahawks content. Yeah. And
1: I think we're on chapter three. I just put up our chapter two. Um, it's going year by year. If you're wondering, if you type in the Seattle Seahawks Chronicles, that's all you got to type. Uh, you'll see it immediately on Google. So one of the first two links, um, it's a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, different places. So please check it out. Um, and we're, uh, we've are we posted up to Chapter 2, 1977, but um, Chapter 3 should be posting this week in uh, the 1978 Seahawks. So please enjoy and uh, let us know what
0: you all think. Perfect, man. Um, so, Sammy? I got to work on my tennis game. When I finally beat you, one of my icebreakers is going to be how I finally beat you in tennis.
1: We'll see when that day comes, George. We'll see when that day comes. All right, you're listening to my backhand. you're listening to Pod That with the Jarjour Brothers. We're just two brothers talking sports, and it's brought to you by the Sports on Tap, George. And this is
0: the Internet's Pub.
1: Peace, y'all.